0: Let's go now to Exodus chapter 20, and I'm going to read that, but we're going to spend most of our time in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, Chris and I have been marching through the Ten Commandments. I did an introduction and then commandment one, um, and then Chris did uh, commandments two and three, and this morning we're looking at the fourth commandment from Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Hear now God's word. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, set it apart. And then let's flip over to Matthew chapter 11. And I will begin reading in verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and yet revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our great and glorious God, we praise you this morning that you call us into rest. Lord Jesus, you know the weariness of our souls. You know that we are tired and weary. Many of us feel as if we are yoked to a heavy burden in life. And we just can't shake it. Uh, Some of us in this room, Father, have probably given up hope of ever finding rest. But we know that you are the God of heaven and earth. You're the creator of heaven and earth. You remind us of that in Exodus 20. You crafted this world. You brought everything that is in existence to existence by the power of your word and your might and then you rested and so we know that you can calm our hearts we know that you are a god that we can in whose arms we can fall into and we can find rest and we can find peace and so help us do that right now open our eyes to your word o oh god and we pray in jesus name amen god commands us To rest. I mean, think about that for a minute. God is commanding you to rest. (laughs) One of the commandments is that you and I rest. I was talking to a young minister this week. He is planting a church and We meet regularly to uh, share life, and and we were talking about this whole issue of stress and anxiety in ministry, and he was kind of offloading on me, and I think that he was prepared for me to give him some incredible wisdom, and yet, as I listened to him, um, I said, you know, I'll be honest with you, I have a real hard time resting. Um, I am an anxious man. And I said, the older I get, the more of a struggle it becomes. And, and I said, I've, I've really been thinking a lot about this. When I was younger, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I, I had so much drive and so much energy and so much uh, just physical passion that, that I could just push through the stress. But I said, now I feel like the compounding interest of stress of 25 to 30 years of ministry uh, wears me down. I don't think it's so much the situational events, but it's just the fact of being a pastor for twenty to twenty-five to thirty years, because a shepherd, a true shepherd, doesn't just listen to your trials and doesn't just listen to your struggles, and it's not just there when you're hurting, but a real shepherd hurts with you. A real shepherd says, offload some of that grief onto me. And it's hard to rest. <laughs> because I know what you're going through and I know what you're facing. And yet, what we see is that God commands it and He must command it because it's not easy. Just as we have to fight for sexual purity. Just as we have to fight to be honest. Just as we have to fight not to covet. Just as we have to fight not to have idols in our lives. We have to fight for rest. And yet I would dare say that very few of us in this room have ever thought of that. Ever even thought of that. That God commands us to fight for the holiness of rest. Dr. Kevin Chapman is uh, Associate Director of Clinical Psychology at the University of Louisville. And he says that uh, societal anxiety disorders are costing us 42 billion dollars a year. Friends, we do not know how to rest. These things I can't even get away from them when I'm preaching. <laughs> These things keep us from resting. We are always plugged in. We are always available. And yet God calls us to rest. As we think about this, and it really is kind of a a new thing to think about in Christian categories, as we think about it, we need to understand that in this fourth commandment, and it's really the longest commandment, God calls us to work. Six days you shall work. We've been made to work. We've been made to be productive. We've been made to to go to work, to to raise our children, to to be missional in our lives, to live with other people in mind. He created us to make disciples of all nations. We are made to work, and yet what God is telling us is you have to rest in order to work effectively. You have to know how to rest if you're if you're going to be effective in work and in the calling that I've put upon your life. And the Sabbath day, as we see in Exodus, uh, commanded in Exodus 20, is so much more as we go to the rest of the Scriptures. Uh, We could go to Hebrews 4, and uh, the writer of Hebrews makes the connection between the Sabbath rest of God and the Sabbath day to our relationship with Jesus. And so I am, I could have chosen Hebrews 4, but, but I chose Matthew 11 because in Matthew 11, Jesus stands before the people. He stands primarily before the Jews and says, I am your Sabbath rest. I'm what you're looking for every Sunday. Actually, then Friday night through Saturday night. <laughs> I love His words. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you weary? Jesus said, Come to me. Let's look at this, and let's think through this together. How can we come to Jesus and rest in the way that He's called us to? The first thing that we have to understand is that our need for rest runs deep. What I'm trying to get at in this point, and what I think Jesus is getting at with His invitation, is that most of us think that a day off will do it. And that's not what Jesus is calling us to, and it's not what God commanded us to do only in the fourth commandment. He doesn't only say, take a day off. He says, take a day off, but then He says, rest in me. You've got to find deep rest for your souls. And all of us know that most of the time our day off is busier. We're looking forward to going to the work the next morning because our to-do list is longer on our day off than it is maybe at work. And so... We just get more exhausted, more weary, more heavy laden. And so our need for rest runs deep. I read a blog this week because this whole minimalist lifestyle is front and center. It's on Facebook, Twitter, it's everywhere. And I read a blog by a lady that um, is in this lifestyle, and she said this. She said, I didn't know what to call it at the time, but over the years I've been slowly moving towards creating a minimalist lifestyle. In a nutshell, a minimalist lifestyle is one that removes the clutter from your life. Not just your home and belongings, but your life the minimalist lifestyle to which she refers has become this movement in which we just get rid of everything. We clean out our closets. We give away a lot of our furniture. We take a bunch of pictures and all the knickknacks. We 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 get rid of the people in our lives that are cluttering up our lives. This has come into the church too. Henry Cloud has has written the book entitled Boundaries. We see this this whole idea of of the minimalist um, lifestyle and 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 making your life more simple in the church as well. And yet this is not primarily what the fourth commandment is getting at and it's not primarily what Jesus is getting at in Matthew 11 nor the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 4. You see these materials are good, and I'm, I'm all for a minimalist lifestyle, and I'm all for the principles laid down in the book on boundaries. But they're, it's not that they're bad, but they're just not enough. They don't go deep enough. I read an article this week by Judith uh, Shulovitz. Uh, she's obviously Jewish, a uh, Jewish believer in New York City. And she wrote an article that was published in the New York Times entitled Bringing Back the Sabbath and in it she quotes um uh, Sándor uh who wrote in around 1905 1906 and to go back in that time you know that was a time when everybody pretty much observed a day off and it was typically Sunday and everybody kind of knew what to do on Sunday you let life shut down you don't go to work you you know it's it's a day for family it's a day for to go to the house of worship it's you know it was just culturally at the center and so, um, the Sandor Ferenzi says this, he said, On that weekly holiday, observed by all present-day civilized humanity, not only did drudgery give way to festivity, family gatherings and occasional worship, but and this is it, but the machinery of self-censorship shut down too stilling these in, eternal inner murmur of self approach and i'm just going to stop right there he goes on to talk about the uh, the sunday neurotic who basically can't rest because he's so consumed with you know this whole idea of rest and I encountered that early on in my life as I took the uh the fourth commandment very literally and, and very legalistically, and I I you know I tried to define, like the Pharisees did, what you could do or not do in your Christian life, and I found myself more exhausted internally because I never did know if I was really pleasing God because I was approaching the laws we're going to talk about in a wrong manner. But what she is pointing out and what he is pointing out. Um, in this article, is this whole fact that we all have inner murmurings of self-reproach that keep us from really resting. Namely, all the internal voices that are putting demands on us. What are those voices for you? I was in a group this week... And there were some in that group talking about how their father's voice is still ringing in their heads. And it's a voice of disapproval. It's a voice of you will never amount to anything. And many of us men can understand that, and we're living against that, and we can never really rest, and we can never really find peace in our souls because that voice is constantly going into us. Some of you ladies too, maybe your mother's voices, maybe your dad's voices, we're all under some voice in our minds that's keeping us on the treadmill. Maybe it's our voice of our employer, you've got to meet the standard, you've got to meet this quota, you've got to produce, you've got to, oh, 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 and we can never rest and we can never know peace. Maybe it's just the cultural pressure of you've got to be a certain way, you've got to look a certain way, you've got to sound a certain way. And dear friends, unfortunately, it can also show up in the church. Because when we get the gospel wrong as we are apt to do, the voice that we mistake for God is jump, perform, work, you're not doing enough. And Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 23. He was calling down woes, literal curses, damnation. To, to interpret the woes of, um, of Matthew 23, when, when Jesus said, Woe to you Pharisees, He was literally saying, Damn you Pharisees, calling damnation upon them. Why? Verse 4, Because you tie up heavy burdens that are hard to bear, and you lay them on people's shoulders. Has that been church for you? Has that been your relationship with God? Is that your perception of God, that that He is shoveling these burdens upon your back more and more, and the more you do, the more you realize you must do? Do you know Jesus said those people need to go to hell? That's how wrong of a message uh, it is. That is not the God of glory. Jesus is calling us away from these demands. And he's calling us to himself. Listen, come to the seventh day or the first day of the week. No. Come to capital letters bold, me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And capital letter bold face, I will give you rest. If you're coming to God and He is making you weary, you're not really coming to God. Because God, the very essence of who He is, is rest and peace. The very essence of the gospel is rest and peace. This is the distinct nature of Christianity. So the first thing that we have to understand is the kind of rest that God is calling us to and the kind of rest that Jesus is offering us is a deep resting of our souls. Not just a day off. Let's go deeper into it. Secondly, rest comes only through being yoked to Jesus. I met with a man this week, and he said, Richard, for the last ten years I've not been walking with God, and I'm tired. And I want God back in my life. And I need you to help me. How glorious. <laughs> what? We can't live without God. We can't do it. And yet every single one of us, functionally in this room, every single one of us, including your pastor, tries. Do you realize that in the midst of writing this sermon Friday, if you follow me on Facebook, you saw it, I just had this overwhelming... I I preached to myself and I heard my own sermon. (laughs) The message of my own sermon. And I was overcome. I remembered the first catechism question. uh, What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And those words, and enjoy Him, overcame me. And I said, Richard, you've not been enjoying God lately. You've been working for God, but you had not been enjoying God. Therefore, you're not glorifying God. He wants you to enjoy Him. He wants you to rest in Him. And yet we all are driven by this still small voice in our minds that say freedom is found not in God but apart from God. You need to, to be true to yourself. That's what we hear. E.E. E. Cummings, an American poet and playwright, said, it takes courage to grow up, and become who you really are. And what when we hear these messages, they are so they draw us, don't they? They do because every lie, if you will, has a huge element of truth. And the more popular the lie, the more uh, the bigger bigger the element of truth in it. Almost, it's been my experience at least. And so what are we getting when we hear, be true to yourself? We're hearing there is freedom that exists from me having to live under the voices of all the expectations of the people around me. And we've all been on that treadmill. I've got to please her. I've got to please him. I've got to, I've got to be a great parent. I've got to be a great child. I've got to be a great whatever. And all these voices just pile up and up and finally you're saying, I just need to be true to myself. And what we're saying is, I can't, li- I can't know peace and rest under the demands of all the voices around me. And indeed, what is right about that is that we were not created to be ruled by the opinions and the applause of others. We were created to be fulfilled by Jesus. Notice, he says, take my yoke upon you. That's counterintuitive. We think, now freedom is getting out from under a yoke. Because a yoke was something that went around the the, the neck of an ox that you could attach to a plow or a wagon and you had to pull. And so freedom, being true to ourselves, is to take the yoke off and throw it down and say, I'm done with yokes, I'm just going to listen to me. But if we do that, and to the extent that we do that, we become even more weary because we are not a good taskmaster. Only Jesus is. Jesus says to find real rest, you've got to take that yoke, and you've got to be yoked to Him. Because what you find is He is not this burden that you drag, but He gets out in front of you and He's pulling you. He's drawing you to Himself. Isn't that a beautiful imagery? He is not calling us to the misery of religion and legalism. Paul couldn't have been any more clear when he said this in Galatians, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it's written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. If you want to yoke yourself to the law, then you better fulfill them to every degree, and you can't do it. It's a waste of time. We were not built for law primarily. We were built for the love of God. And it's that love that is to constrain us. Obedience to the Ten Commandments should flow out of love of the gospel. Not in an attempt to somehow get God's love, but because of this this massively relevant reality that we have the love of God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 14-15. For the love of Christ controls us. Doesn't, doesn't something press against the love? When you hear love in a sermon, don't you say, oh, well, they just preach too much grace in that church. Listen to me. You obey what you love. That was our whole uh, the, the introduction to the Ten Commandments. You obey what and who you love. And so the, the, the highest commandment, the essence of the commandment is, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then you will obey Him. Because you obey that which you love. The love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And He died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died. You see, that's how the Christian life works. You let the cross and the finished work of Jesus grow so big in your life that you want to give your life to Him. And that's not just how you start the Christian life. If you're here and you're saying, I, I, I'm interested, I want to become a Christian, then you understand that what Jesus did on the cross was this. Before He came to the cross, He lived under the law for you because He knew that you could never live under the law. He is your performance. And so becoming a Christian is literally saying, saying yes, I trust that Jesus lived under the law for me, and He now is my righteousness before the Father. His record is my righteousness. And yet, my record goes to Him. And He died for me on that cross. He took the punishment that I deserve. And so now, do you see it? Through faith, I received Perfect acceptance, perfect love. God is dancing over me with joy because He doesn't see Richard alone. He sees Richard eternally united to Jesus Christ, inseparably united to Him. God the Father can no longer look at me or you as a believer apart from Christ, but only in Christ, and He doesn't see your filthy rags and your filthy works. He sees the the righteous and perfect works of Christ Himself. And there's freedom. Oh, there's freedom. And there's motivation to give your life away. That's what Jesus is saying when He says, take my yoke upon you. He's saying, yoke yourself, not to your career. Because if you yoke yourself to your career, you're going to think I'm, only, I'm worth as much as I work and as my work. If you link yourself to being a great parent and your identity is is having perfect children, then you link your worth with the performance of your children. If you link your worth to moral uprightness, then your worth bounces back and forth in your own mind depending on how well you think you're doing. But do you see, when you yoke yourself to Jesus, it is finished. It, it, It doesn't change. It's settled. When you yoke yourself to Him, I have a way to define myself. And it's not by work or parenting or relationships or whatever. It's by the finished work of Jesus. And He becomes your functional worth. Because you say, He died for me. He lived for me. And so I have to ask you, are you work are you are you yoked to Jesus this morning? I love John one: four. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Have you been walking in darkness? Yoke yourself to Jesus. He is the life you're looking for. I love Colossians two, four and five. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died, and listen, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. Do you see? There is an immovable, unchangeable reality, and His name is Jesus. And if you yoke yourself to that reality, nothing can phase you ultimately. Because your relationship with God goes on into eternity. Isn't that a better way to live than this anxious life that you're living right now? And so how do we give ourselves to Jesus? Finally, rest comes through a childlike, I'm going to add this word, childlike dependence upon and love for God. Rest comes through childlike dependence upon and love for God. left the house um, Friday morning, and Silas, Rachel, and my little grandson, eight-month-old, nine-month-old grandson, and um, of Ashley and, and, and Nate, our daughter Ashley and her husband Nate. And at that, that age is just so precious, um, especially when you're walking out the door. No, just kidding. Um, but as I look at little Silas... He's always looking at me with incredible anticipation. It's always like this. He knows it's like a, a, a child. The very nature of a child like that is is love and dependence. They don't they they don't have any pride. They're not they're not saying, "Oh, I'm just too I'm too proud to get you to pick me up. I'm too proud for you to feed me." Yeah. And what's amazing is he doesn't even know me. I could be a serial killer or worse. So where am I going with this? Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come to me, why? He says this, for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. He was saying, this is who I am. You can trust me. Now, to get to this, we've got to do just a little work. The context of Jesus' words are in the context of verses 20 through 24 in which Jesus is calling down woes and curses upon the cities of um, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. And he's basically saying, these cities are not going to enter my rest. They're not going um, to experience salvation. But why? We see why when we come down to verses 25 through 26. Listen, Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden all these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to what? Little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Jesus tells us that rest and peace, that the eternal rest of one's soul is directly tied to us becoming like little children. We see this in Matthew 18:1 through 6 At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to Him a child, He put Him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen, he didn't say this is the person who's greatest. He's saying if you don't become like a child, you're not even going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you see what he's saying? Do you know what happens when we grow up? We stop doing this and we start doing this. We stop saying, feed me, feed me. And we start saying, feed me, feed me. And what Jesus is saying is, no, you've got it all wrong. That's not the maturity. Maturity is not up. It's down. It's back. Go back to being a nine-month-old. Because you have a daddy who's not a serial killer, but you have a daddy who is the God of heaven and earth, and He is dying for you to jump into His arms. He is dying for you to say, come, Abba, Father. I'm, I'm lonely. I'm tired. I'm weary. My sins have worn me out. My life has worn me out. I'm sick of being alone. I'm sick of doing it on my own. Do you understand that grace runs downhill, not uphill? The proud never get Jesus. It's only the humble. It's only those that are on their hands and knees, waddling around saying, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Is that you this morning? Then I can tell you one thing if it's not you. You are exhausted. Our dear friend, you're going to be exhausted soon. Because the life you're looking for is in the Daddy of Heaven and earth he's the father who's saying become like a little child and say I'm done I, I'm sick of it I can't do this alone and I need you I bow my life to you I give my life to you take me and dear friend if you're a believer and you're exhausted it's because you've been doing this you've been saying alright I got you I got you. yeah, yeah 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 I hear you Bible Bible Jesus Jesus it's time to do this again Don't do it to a job. Don't do it to a spouse. Don't do it to a future spouse. Don't do it to children. Don't do it to a church. Don't do it to anything but Jesus. And He will not disappoint you. May that be where we rest this morning. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You are our eternal rest and You are our earthly rest and nothing can separate us from Your love. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have invited us. You've invited the tired and the weary to just simply come to you. So may we do that now. Lord, thank you that you're the kind of God that commands what we were made for. (laughs) And that you've even given us a day where we can fully rest in you. Where we can take it and we can just be reminded of your grace and your mercy and your truth. We can confess our sin. We can receive forgiveness. And we can glory in you, our Savior. May we do that today, Lord Jesus. And I pray in your name. Amen. As we prepare to go to the table this morning. As we prepare literally to come to the table and receive Jesus as our rest. That's what he wants. Food. Most... One of the most restful places I know of is at the dinner table. <laughs> when Jesus set the table and said, Sup on me. May we do that in the coming moments. And may we bring the ties that He's commanded and but bring so much more because we go far beyond His commands. We know His grace and His mercy. Amen.